What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. And last week, we said that we might be bringing on an NFL player this week. Unfortunately, won't be happening this week, but we have a former D2 player and a guy that we mentioned about two or three times on last week's show. So I figured it was only fitting for us to bring on John Root. And John, of course, he was the in-arena host for the San Jose Sharks. Now he's got a couple of shows over with Turning Point USA. He's got his own sports show called Breakaway. And he also is one of the hosts of TP USA Live. Gets into the political realm. But don't worry, we won't be getting political on this show. John, you get to come and uh, chill and talk some sports. Uh, Welcome to the Jack Vita Show. Great to have you here. Wow, what a concept! Being able to chill and just talk sports without having to get into <laughs> politics, I'm uh, I'm definitely down for that. And honestly, I can't think of a better guest. You know, if I toot my own horn, if you don't get an NFL player, how about a washed up D two punter? My goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there was an NFL player that I have been in contact with. Unfortunately, this week won't work out for him, but hopefully, we'll have him on at some point. I'll reveal his name uh, when we lock something in. But until then. Uh, we're just going to roll with it. So we got John on here today. And then next Monday, I'll be going live probably around this time in the morning, Monday morning with Haley Jordan from Sports Illustrated. And we'll be recapping the Super Bowl. You guys will not want to miss out on any of that. So make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you get your podcasts and follow me on social media at Jack Vita Show. All right. Today we are talking all th- we got a lot of football to cover. It's Super Bowl week. Um, <clears throat> all of the NFL head coaching hires and all the NFL open spots, they have been filled. Um, and then maybe we'll get to some MLB, MLB lockout stuff and some other stuff later on. Uh, it should be a fun ride. John, let's start with this. I-, I know you were pretty passionate over the weekend. You're not a fan of the Pro Bowl anymore. Is that correct? No, I feel like the Pro Bowl's so whack. It's the two-hand touch bowl now. <laughs> and obviously, I every, some people just get so up in arms when, when you say that because they're just like, well, you know, they're trying to protect them. It's like, yes, I understand that. But every single league is trying to protect their players. You know, ever since free agency was introduced, you know, there's more and more money that's infiltrated into the – or just inputted into these leagues. And – they're spending millions of dollars on these guys that they want to last a long time. The last thing they want is someone to get hurt in the pro bowl. But for me, there's ways you can make these things more exciting. And the MLB all-star game, I feel like is always great. You know, there was that incentive for a long time that whoever won that got home field advantage in the world series. There were some people that, you know, didn't really care for that that much. But for me, I was like, look at how hard these guys are playing. Like every single All-Star game, the home run derby was fantastic. I think the NHL's done a good job with their new All-Star format. They just had their All-Star game in Vegas. I thought they did a great job. They start doing a three-on-three tournament. There's more of these skills challenges that are fun. The NBA All-Star game was kind of like fluctuating a little bit. You know, the dunk contest is nowhere near what it should be. So it's come down to the three-point competition that is a lot of fun. And then the Pro Bowl. You remember the old days where you'd have those quarterback challenges. There would be the, uh, you know, Peyton Manning in there, Drew Brees, you know, Tom Brady, the big quarterbacks doing that. That was always fun. And then it was in Hawaii, too. That was always a blast. And then you had, like, 
the 40 yard dash with Devin Hester and some of the fastest guys in the league. And then now, honestly, if you think the best part of the Pro Bowl is dodgeball, that's that's when you know things have really gone downhill. And but specifically when I talk about the game, the Pro Bowl game, it is an absolute waste of time. They don't I mean, they don't even tackle each other anymore. Just wear flags. <laughs> like, <laughs> like honestly, wear flags, play seven on seven, have a good time. That that's what I would say. Yeah, I have not I can't remember the last time I even watched the Pro Bowl. I mean, growing up when we did, you know, I it was enjoyable, it was fun. I liked those skills competitions that they did. And then at a certain point, they started putting the Pro Bowl on this week in between because it used to be after the Super Bowl. And I yeah. think that was pretty indicative of how much the interest level had dropped is you put it on a week when there's no football, because at this point, I don't really know who would stick around to watch it after the Super Bowl. Well, that's where they need to figure out how to market the product a little bit better. So it's like, obviously, once again, you don't want anybody to get hurt, but there's a there are ways you can put together a a, uh, a fun little product. That's why the NBA, when they ended up kind of changing their format, I think it was, I, I honestly can't remember off the top of my head. It was like first to 125 or something like a couple years ago. And that was the best all-star game the NBA's had in a long time. And obviously there's ways where you can win each quarter and throw some money to a charity and, and things like that. But there's just, there's no flair to it at all. You know, even when Patrick Mahomes just airmails a pass and then Hunter Renfro doesn't even want to tackle Winfield and then he's running down the field and no one's really trying to touch him. It's just kind of like this is this seems like when you get to the end of recess and everybody's <laughs> tired and you're just like, all right, well, I guess the score doesn't matter anymore. Let's just get this over with. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's a massive waste of time. I think, and unfortunately, I feel like some of those players might feel that way too, because it should be an honor to make the Pro Bowl. You know, to be known as one of the best players that season, that's a, that's a huge honor. But for me, I just, obviously us as sports fans, we're going to watch. We watch so people don't have to. It's similar to the Olympics. I mean, I've told people, I know it, it's hard not to get into a tiny bit of politics because there's so much politics infused in sports now. But that's why I tell people like, I'll watch the Olympics so you don't have to. I'll watch the Pro Bowl so you don't have to. <laughs> um, no, I think like the problem is you you touched on it. Like guys don't even want to go. So like Russell Wilson is now a nighttime Pro Bowler. He's a good quarterback. But I mean, some of these Pro Bowls, it's just like, well, who wants to come? Because they asked Dak Prescott and he's just like, ah, I'm good. No, thanks. And mm -hmm. like, you know, I think Russell Wilson was a Pro Bowl player this year. Yeah, and that's when you start getting like these second fiddle players yeah, and obviously there's a lot of, I come from an NHL background, like you were saying uh, there's, there's a lot of people that might try to drop out of the all-star game. The NHL is trying to crack down on that where they're just like, Hey, if you're an all-star, we need you to be a part of the festivities. And with the NFL, it's, I, I don't know. You, you have someone like Russell Wilson, just like you said, he, he's out there and you're like, what? <laughs> like he probably had one of his worst seasons in a long time and the team didn't do well. And it's like, what, 
this is not the product I, I signed up for. And it just kind of seems like they're going through the motions and there's, yeah. there's just no, there's no spark. You, you want, yeah. you want a spark. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the MLB all-star game because an idea that I've had for years and I mean, we'll talk some MLB a little later on probably, but one of the things that I think they should do is I, and I, it's never going to happen because the national league is probably going to adopt the designated hitter here once this new CBA is formed. Um, but the thing that I think is cool, or I think would be cool is I'd love to have, if you win the all-star game, your league. So the, the AL champion, let's say the AL wins the all-star game again, cause they always win the all-star game. <laughs> Dude, they always the a- do. Yeah. So now let's say the, um, well, we'll go with your Oakland A's. Let's say the A's are now yeah. your AL champions. They get to decide, do they want home field? Do they get that extra fourth game at home? Or they can decide which rules are played with for the entire series. So are they going to play AL rules or NL rules? And then the team that loses gets to decide. So let's say, um, so they're playing the Cubs. The Cubs are playing, uh, so the A's decide, well, we'll we're going to go with the, a, the, uh, the AL rules, and the Cubs, they get the home field. I think it's something like that would be really interesting. Yeah, because what what are the rules now? Do you remember those off the, the top of your head? Because I know they change it from you don't get home field advantage. Yeah, um, so it's nothing. It's basically yeah, it's just nothing, right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just for and fun. I think, and I feel like I can kind of agree with that at times because – if I, I actually would not mind going back to the whoever wins the all-star game gets home field advantage. Um, but there is that aspect of, you know, a lot of teams are just like, okay, like we have a way better record than this NL team. Like if the A's were playing the Cubs, just like you're saying that scenario, if the A's are just like, dude, we were like 10 more games over 500. And just because the NL find a way to win the all-star game, they get home field. Um, I kind of like the way some other leagues work like that. And it definitely rewards the teams that have done a great job in the regular season uh, to get to where they're at. That's obviously why there's a lot of jockeying for position. Um, so I think the MLB kind of doing away with that is, is, is okay with me. I didn't mind the old format. And then, if you are going to go back to the old format, let's say don't have every uh, representative from every single team. I feel like that's just kind of participation trophies. Like obviously there's times where I'd love to see uh, some Oakland A's in there. I know, man, what year was that? I feel like we had like six all-stars. It was like 2012 or something. Yeah. 2012, um, 2013. Around yeah. There. And yeah, it was 2012 or 2013. And I loved it. And those guys deserved it. But I don't feel like every single team should have a representative. Like, are you guys really trying to do that marketing strategy where that you just need a representative? I This is not like the Olympics where you need a representative from, from basically every single country. Like, the best players should be involved in the game. And I, I think that's it. And then from there, um, if that's what they want to do, go back to the old format. You know for sure you have the best players in the NL best players in the AL whoever wins gets home field advantage let's do it well I guess we touched the stove so let's just we'll mention the lockout right now uh right now we're at a standstill we got no movement 
spring training is supposed to start in about a week. Pitchers and catchers would normally be reporting around the sometime between the 10th and the 15th of February. And mm. it's currently February 8th. The other day, Major League Baseball, the owners, they said, well, let's bring in uh, someone from the federal government to mediate yep. this discussion. And Tony Clark, the head of the Players Association, he shut that down really quick. He is putting his spin on it, saying that, oh, well, now the the league won't counter offer. And they said that they had a counter offer, but they're not going to right now. And, you know, it's just right now. I, I guess I'm curious. I'll let you weigh in on this first. What's your take on the whole situation, John? I just feel like it's a lot of the same. Like for some reason, the MLB players association and the owners and the commissioner can't figure it out. Like you guys remember the, you remember definitely the, the pandemic season. And obviously there's a lot of leagues that did a good job of figuring out like, how do we make sure this is beneficial for the players and the owners? Cause I mean, there's money to be made. Like you, you got to remember that. Like, there's a business and, and these owners want to make money. They want to get a big cut. The players don't want to feel used. And um, that's, what's tough about this whole thing too, is we love uh, winter meetings didn't even happen. Yeah. Just, just think about that. I mean, there's, there's an aspect of baseball that we're really missing out on. Baseball is really falling to the wayside and they don't know how to market their product there's no free agency in trades right now. So no one's hearing about any anything about baseball. Nothing. And then these players and these teams can't talk to each other. So there's no drama behind it. Like we love drama. Like for me, I'm not a I'm not a uh, reality show guy, but a lot of people <laughs> love reality shows. Yeah, I um, do. <laughs> and I, I know you you've had some bachelor and bachelorette people on the on the show. And like people love that stuff. I love the drama in sports. Like, I don't like drama in my life, but <laughs> you keep up with sports because you're like, all right, well, it sounds like this team is talking to this guy. And then how much money are they going to pay him? And then is this a one-year deal? Are they trying to lock him in for a long time? And spring training is right around the corner. Like, I live in Phoenix. I love spring training. There is no better accessibility to pro athletes than spring training. It's so fun. Like, obviously, you have some training camps that – are in the NFL and stuff, but you have half of the best baseball players in the world hanging out in Phoenix. You got a, I mean, the angels minor league facilities right down the road for me. And then you got the giant spring training facility. The A's are here. The reds are here. It's literally so fun. And to think that now that's going to be cut short again, it was already cut short for the pandemic and it is absolutely insane to me that that baseball continues to do this and they can't figure it out. Yeah, I think the thing that I find really interesting is if you look at Twitter, which that's the problem number one is that you're looking at Twitter in the first place. But uh, the thing is, I'm only seeing criticism directed towards the owners and the commissioner. And, you know, there are a lot of times that the commissioner does things that I don't agree with and I don't think mm -hmm. are smart. He, a lot of times he's just answering for the owners and he's kind of doing what they want him to do. But the thing that I'm not seeing any criticism or responsibility being placed on Tony Clark, the head of the players association, because in this particular instance, when you are 
refusing to allow a mediator to come in in this point when these teams cannot, these parties cannot see eye to eye. That smells like a little bit of like, oh, we're scared that this is not going to go well for us. Maybe we're the ones that are in the wrong on this thing. I would, I would say I would disagree with that a little bit because I don't go feel like it. you need big gov, big daddy to come in and help because they're asking for federal assistance right. and federal help. Like figure out your own house first. I don't think this is such a dire situation that they need to talk to the federal government <laughs> about this. Like that's like, honestly, I'm just more of a guy that like you get government involved in this, unless it's basically the, uh, the steroid in, indictment stuff. Like I've just got to get the, the court involved in there. But I think there's a, there is this aspect of the, the players association and, and owners, obviously there's a, a little bit on, on each side, but the commissioner needs to step up. That's that's where I think Manfred is not done the best job. I think people haven't taken him as serious as they should, especially when you give a World Series trophy to the Houston Astros after you have proven, proven that they have cheated and they have proven that they had an unfair advantage. And you said, well, whatever, we'll get rid of your manager. We'll, uh, uh, boot out your GM. We'll find you guys. And um, but here, hold on to that trophy. Congratulations, World Series champs! Like I, I can't stand Manfred. I don't think he's done a good job. I think he's, um, especially the MLB All Star Game. It's another little politics. I know. I know. You well, yeah, but you. I will say, who brought that up? Tony Clark. Tony Clark was the guy who was pushing for that. Yeah, and I think that's where you need to have a strong leader. As a, as a commissioner, that's where a lot of these commissioners, I, I have no idea what it's like to be a commissioner, no idea what it's like to run a league, but you have to stand on something. You have to stand on your morals. And it feels like someone like Manfred is got like a lot of, um, like false threats when it comes to pushing the Oakland A's to either build a stadium in Oakland or move elsewhere. You're basically saying that you can't hold the MLB all-star game in Atlanta uh, because of your own political ideas, your own idea of voter laws. You move from a place that was going to be unbelievably beneficial for the African-American community to Denver. That's got a quarter of the African-American population. And then the Astros are able to hold on to their world series trophy. And then the MLB strike here. It's just like, we might, I mean, potentially we might get not get 162 games. We might not be able to get a full spring training or spring training at all. Like it's, it's so, uh, it's it's insane to me. I I just don't. MLB is just going really downhill. And something I know that's not really along with the strike, but I, I had a lot of conversations with people, um, pretty much ever since I joined here at Turning Point USA. And some people just don't like baseball, Jack. Um, I, I can geek out on baseball. I love <laughs> sitting there and watching baseball for three hours in my living room or if I'm at the ballpark. I love knowing um, how is the infield going to shift. Is it a righty-lefty matchup? How long has this pitcher been in the game? Uh, is there runners on base? What's, you know, what's the situation? Like, I love all that stuff. I'm just a money ball guy. I, I watch the A's. <laughs> and I grew, up, I grew up with them. But I asked people around the office. I'm like, hey, guys. Do you know who Shohei Otani is? 
I asked, I asked everybody downstairs here in Turning Point USA. You know how many people said they know who Shohei Otani was? How many? One person. Wow. One person. We had uh, another person on the, the TPUSA live team ended up rolling in, and they're, they're an Angels fan, so they knew who he was. The guy is on the cover of MLB The Show. The guy is Babe Ruth times a trillion. Nobody has any idea who Shohei Otani was. No one knew who Fernando Tatis Jr. was. I had two people that knew who Mike Trout was. Like, Major League Baseball is in a really tough place right now. They don't know how to market their players. They don't know how to market their product. And now when you're in a strike, like I mentioned before, no one's hearing about you. It's out of sight, out of mind. And it bums me out because I feel like baseball is America's pastime. And there's a way where they can get people excited again without allowing steroid use. <laughs> so that, that's at least my thoughts. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give a counterpoint to that. And then we'll probably have to move on to some of this NFL stuff because we only got so much time. Um <laughs> But I will say, I mean, the viewership is great in the local markets. It's basically, you know, John Boy was talking about this last year of John Boy Media. And he was saying it's kind yeah. of like if everyone is watching their own local version of American Idol, it's the number one show on television. If you put in all those local markets on a nightly basis, it's a number one show on television throughout the season. So it's popular in the local markets. People just watch their team all the time. They don't pay much attention to what's going on outside of their team. So they have a devoted, good core fan base. One of the things that I think is really a big problem is I think ESPN has been a really bad partner for the league. ESPN is they have uh, the wild card game. They have Sunday night baseball and on opening day this past year, no mention of opening day on ESPN uh, and ESPN controls a lot of conversations in sports I feel mm -hmm. like ESPN setting these trends, they've been propping up other sports that they have more money invested in. And this does go back to Major League Baseball because they just re-upped with ESPN a year ago. I would pull out from ESPN because I don't think they've been a good partner at all. Yeah, and I think there's games like uh, what you had that one in Iowa that's had the Field of Dreams game. Yeah. Like, dude, yep. that was amazing last year. That was that was so fun. It ended in a walk-off. You got two great teams with some incredible players. But there's an aspect of, yeah, these local markets love their team. They always will. But when it comes to nationally televised games, I mean, just look at the NFL. The NFL did a great job this year, um, kind of just basically sticking to sports a lot of the time and putting together some really good matchups, marketing that well. And, you know, flexing games when they needed to. Obviously, it's a little bit different with baseball when you got 162 games. Um, there's a lot of people that don't want to – nowadays, everybody's attention span is just so tiny. But there's got to be a way where you can you can market the product better. I think Fox does a great job with their MLB coverage. Uh, I've, always, I've always really enjoyed them a ton. But there's little things that baseball needs to do that's not, hey, we need to have a pitch clock. You know how much right. time they ended up saving in games? It was like five minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. It's no one's going to a baseball game to say, you know, what? you know, what, Jack, I hope this ends in about <laughs> two hours and 45 minutes. 
<laughs> you know, it's you go to a baseball game because it's leisurely, especially during the regular season. There's a lot of excitement. You go to the playoffs, and then obviously there's uh, the excitement just goes through the roof. But there's a lot of stuff that that baseball needs to do. I hope the strike gets figured out because I want to watch some spring training games. I got some family in town, some friends. Uh, I, I want to go to those games. It, it's always a good time. Quickly, your prediction. Mine is that I think we start the season on time, but we don't spring. We we're we're not going to start spring training on time. Uh, we're going to get an abbreviated spring training. Maybe about Season's, half of them. Opening Season's day good. starts on time. Uh, opening day is going to start on time. Yeah. Uh, the Players Association does not want to get into this whole, like, expand the uh, the playoffs and everything. I think that's oh, just yeah. that's Do not that's, do that. Yeah. No, that's a money grab. I don't think that's good for the league at all. So abbreviated spring training. We're going to start the season on time. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, let's get back to baseball. I love it. All right. Well, we will hopefully be having baseball coming back soon. We're going to talk some more football here on the program. Uh, Before we preview the Super Bowl, we got some other headlines from around the league. Uh, Every NFL head coaching spot has been filled now. So just a quick run through of who we got. We got the Bears are bringing on the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus. Uh, Broncos hiring the Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. Lovey Smith is going to, he was a defensive coordinator and the associate head coach for the Texans. He will be their head coach. Doug Peterson going over the Jaguars. Josh McDaniel, Josh McDaniels after 10 years back with the Patriots. He's now the head coach of the Raiders. At least he hasn't backed out quite yet, John. He's still got some time though. And then uh, we've got, let's see, Mike McDaniel over the Dolphins from the 49ers. Kevin O'Connell, um, Jim Harbaugh says, no thanks to the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell will be the head coach of the Vikings. Dennis Allen, the Saints defensive coordinator for the last six or seven years, he will fill Sean Payton's spot. And Brian Dabble, or Dable, he's uh, now going to be the head coach of the New York Giants. Which of these coaching hires do you like the most? Honestly, I like, I like Mike Daniel a lot. I think he's going to be great for the Dolphins. I think they have a lot to figure out when it comes to Tua. Uh, and then Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, we're going to really find out what, what he's made of. I think I, I'm really excited about that that team. And I think they just got to get over the hump a little bit. That's a very, very tough division. But he's someone that garners a lot of respect. He is someone that is extremely creative and – it's also fun to see during this whole coaching carousel, the uh, Shanahan tree just go go different <laughs> places, and um, it's it's pretty exciting. We got a lot of like really great young minds in in football, and, and one thing that kind of surprised me was the uh, the Lovey Smith hire. Um, Texans are in a weird place. I. Um, I'm interested to see because obviously he was with uh, Illinois before he jumped back into the NFL with, with the Texans and Illinois was, he, he brought them to a bowl game, I think in his first or second year with the, with the team. And then they kind of moved on from there. And uh, I don't know, seems like the kind of guy that, that people like around the organization, but I just don't think he's the guy. It, I, I don't know. He he brought the, I think it was 06, brought the, yeah. the Bears to the, to the Super Bowl. 
So it just seems a little bit washed up to me. I don't know, someone that you would want to be a part of your coaching staff, but leading the team, I, I don't think so. I actually love the hire. Okay. Lovey Smith, you know, I had Brad Culpepper on here who played with the Bucks for a while. And he played under Lovey back then. Um, and Herm Edwards and Tony Dungy and all those guys. And he he was talking about, he was surprised that Lovey's career, he didn't end up elevating to kind of the Dungy status of like a great coach. He was a good coach. Um, he thought that he was a really underrated coach. And I thought so too. Uh, ever since the Bears moved on from him, they've been an absolute wreck. They've been a mess of an organization. Uh, with the Bears, well, you got to remember too. Like he, he didn't really do a lot to keep himself there. You know, he brought them to that Super Bowl, and then it was pretty wishy washy from, from there two, on out. One, two, three, four, five winning seasons. Only one, or no, a couple of losing seasons there. Five winning seasons, three playoff appearances since he left. Bears have not won a playoff game. Um, and then, you know, he goes over to Tampa and he takes over that team a year after they had the number one overall pick with uh, Jameis coming in there. And or actually, that was his first year, I believe, is Jameis. The year that they tanked they went two and 14, the next year, six and 10. So didn't really move the needle very far, but didn't have a whole lot of time. He's not a college coach. Uh, and Illinois is a really tough situation to win. I do think that it will be really interesting because this is like a throwback kind of coaching hire. A lot of these guys want the the flashy coordinators and they want to go all in on these new guys, the young blood. And I think he's going to do well in Houston. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot to figure out there too. I mean, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to play a snap next year in the NFL. Yeah, so. I don't know what's going to happen with him. So, I mean, what do you got to do? Just make do with Tyrod Taylor, see what they do in the draft. Um, I mean, they, they got some nice pieces uh, at times uh, on, on offense. They got their wide receivers really aren't that bad, but they're, they have, they are just a tough franchise. And then you lose, I mean, you lose D hop, you get absolutely nothing for him. JJ Watt is gone. Like you just, They've lost their heart and soul. So it's going to be a very yeah, uphill battle. Over. We'll see what Levy Smith does. Uh, I don't know. The only way they're going to be able to stay in games is, I think, you know, he's a defensive-minded coach. So maybe just build that out a little bit, try to keep them in games, keep them a little bit respectable. Because Tyrod Taylor really wasn't too bad. Like, he wasn't – he was, you know, a little bit above average at times and then kind of just showed his – um, who he was, just kind of an average quarterback, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know. And it's, it, it's also interesting too. Obviously it's just running through the news is the Brian Flores situation is Brian Flores. I honestly thought he was going to get the Texans job, you know, before he came out with that lawsuit. So I, I don't know. I think the Texans probably just like, all right, this guy's in house. He's done a pretty good job. He's taken a team to a super bowl. He's had some playoff appearances. We seem to like him. Uh, just sign on the dotted line and let's just move forward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you sue your employer, you're not going to work for the employer. It's pretty simple with what happened with him. That's what I was talking about last night. I know I posted out on my story. I know their uh, legal team came out and they were just like, as you know, he was one of the three 
in contention for, for this job. While we're happy that they hired a minority coach, uh, we do think the only reason that Brian Flores didn't get the job is because he is fighting against inequality in the hiring process. And it's like, and I'm with you. It's like, you're, you're not going to get hired if you, if you call your, those organizations racist and sue them. That's, that, that's why I thought it was bad legal advice. I think he could have had a real good chance to get a head coaching job. Yeah. Um, and then I think he just shot himself in the foot. And if his legal team's going to continue to say like, Hey, you're, you're not getting jobs because they don't like your stance. It's like, no, you're, you're missing the point. It's like, people don't like being called racist. The Broncos didn't like it. John Elway came out right away. The Giants um, didn't like it. And they came out right away and they were very transparent about, here's what our process looked like. Here's how long we talked to them. And it, it, it bums me out because I, I don't know where Brian Flores is going to go and his legal team, <laughs> he should sue his legal team. <laughs> <laughs> or he, he should get rid of them because he they have been the biggest detriment to to his career. And it is very tough to go from linebackers coach to at the Patriots to defensive coordinator to coaching head coaching in the NFL. It, it's just it's just wild to me. Uh and I, I don't know if he's gonna get a head coaching job anytime soon, if ever. All right, John, we got a little less than 15 minutes, so we're gonna run through a few more things here. Uh, it's Super Bowl week, and I know you just released a big time podcast episode with the Rams long snapper. What's his name, by the way? Matt Orzek. So I played with him at Azusa Pacific University, small D2 school in Southern California. Yep. And, uh, you know, we were hanging out. Uh, I was out in Phoenix a couple weeks ago. John treated me to a nice dinner. It was a great time. And he had mentioned Azusa, and I was like, Stephen Vote, Stephen Vote. He's yeah. an Azusa legend. <laughs> I believe in Steven Vote, absolute legend, <laughs> one of the one of the best guys. Do you have a Steven Vote bobblehead back there? Yeah, it's somewhere. Oh, here it is. One second. Okay, let me get this. Oh, I love I love this. Okay, so the ooh. <laughs> okay, I just uh ruined my Oh, is that the headband though. one? Oh, the ref. Yeah, I love the ref one. <laughs> so the, I love it. the button doesn't work anymore. Oh shoot. What a, what a great guy. New batteries in this thing, yeah. It was it was so fun watching someone on the Oakland A's that went to Azusa Pacific University. It's and then everybody the uh, if people don't know the right field bleacher crew for the Oakland A's they're just absolute wild men. They have a bunch of <laughs> banners and flags and they're drumming and they started to chant like I believe in Stephen Boat. Uh, it was great every single time. Uh, we loved him in Oakland, and every single team he's gone to, he, he's been loved. And what a incredible journey. And there's actually been a, a good amount of uh, you know professional athletes that have come out of Azusa Pacific and, and found quite a bit of success. You know, Stephen Vogt was an all-star. Uh, Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare, played for the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the best in, you know running backs of, of his day, or at least one of the most dominant. And... Then now we got Matt Orzek, good buddy of mine, best long snapper I ever had, is now and going to the Super Bowl. It's I am so incredibly excited for him, and I think it's great for Azusa Pacific University. Unfortunately, I, I think the the university made a made a terrible decision to cut the football program just about a couple of years ago now, 
Um, so I, I think it's it's really sad that you have someone that's going to the Super Bowl and that there's no longer a football team at, at his uh, alma mater. But I, I'm excited for him. And someone that had his first snap in college that sailed about 20 yards over <laughs> over the puncher's head is, is now, uh, you know, one of the most on-point snappers in, in the league. It's It's amazing to see. Yeah, and also so, too a, li- a little plug, Jack, for like people listening. If anybody wants to listen to that interview, we are on Apple and Spotify. We're also on YouTube and and Rumble. People can check us out at TPUSA Breakaway. Uh, we we post a lot of good content there. But this this interview is was great, and it was near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I was just about to give you a chance to plug that. Um, how was the conversation? I I listened to about ten minutes of it, and I fell asleep last night. I was pretty tired. I was like, oh, wow, I'll finish it. It was that boring, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> no, that that's the life of us is uh, like talking about uh, sports and, and interviewing people. I'm sure just like, all right, I want to I want to hear a little bit more about this and, and have a few points uh, to bring up. But it's an amazing conversation. Can't wait for, for record, you to listen. For the record, John and the listeners, I did not fall asleep listening to it. I listened a little bit as I brushed my teeth <laughs> to get ready for bed. And then I was like, I'll pick this up tomorrow after I talk to John. <laughs> All right. Respect, respect. I, I will give you the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's an awesome conversation. He has a crazy journey. It's, it's pretty incredible from him going to uh, D2 tight end and someone that wanted to play baseball that he was pitching. And then the coach ended up saying, Coach Victor Santa Cruz is like, you're a pitcher, right? You want to play a little baseball? Like you want to try snapping? And then from there, it's like snapped at Azusa Pacific was a backup tight end. And then, you know, he, he's been on like, I think four or five different teams now, just about, and he's got a great faith. He, he loves the Lord. He's doing this for, you know, more than himself. He's doing it for his family. He's doing it for the Lord. And he got put into an incredible situation because he, uh, went to high school in San Diego, grew up around there, and then he went to college in Southern California. And then now he's playing for the LA Rams. It's it's so incredible. I'm 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 happy for him, and I think God's done some pretty big things through his journey. That's so awesome. So going into the Super Bowl, what are what are you looking for Sunday's matchup, and who are you riding with this week? The X factors. I know I was bringing this up on the breakaway podcast for the Rams. Their X factors are Sean McVay. And the reason I say Sean McVay, their head coach there is you could tell he did not know how to adapt in that last Super Bowl. When they came out after halftime, the Patriots had a good game plan and he did not know how to adjust. So I think there's times where Sean McVay maybe overthinks things. Like I know, I think it was the NFC Championship game where I think he used two challenges. Was that the NFC Championship game or was that the divisional round? I I don't remember. I can't can't remember, but it was one of those where it's like Sean I think it was championship game. Yeah, I think it was the NFC Championship game. And it's like, okay, you're grasping at straws here. Like, come on, just control what you can control. Don't try to do too much. So Sean McVay is huge. Also... Uh, the the D-line, you saw that the Titans were able to get after Joe Burrow in that game, and that was the first time, I think, since 03, a team had won a playoff game 
giving up eight or more sacks. In 03, that team was the Philadelphia Eagles. Donovan McNabb was the quarterback. Like, Joe Burrow is a stud, and he he has a short-term memory. He's like Dory, he's like Dory out there. He, he forgets <laughs> what happened that last play. He goes right back out and, and starts making plays again. He doesn't care how many times he's going to get sacked, how many times he's going to get pressured. And so that's huge for them. The Bengals, their offense is going to be their best defense. They have to sustain drives because you know on the other side of the ball, you got Cooper Cup, you got OBJ, you got Matt Stafford that can make any play at any time. So I think they got to sustain drives. They got to stay on the field. They got to figure out how to win time of possession. And that's going to uh, be those two factors. But I'm, I'm rolling with the Rams. They're in the Rams' house. They won the NFC Championship game there. They were able to get over the hump. Uh, and finally beat the Niners this season. I'm going uh, – I know you haven't asked me for a prediction yet. I'm just going to give yeah, it please. to you. Yeah, go for it. 27-24 Rams. I know right now the line I think is minus four, and I'm going to – I think the the Bengals are going to um, hit the spread, and I got, I got Rams winning in their house. I am also – going the Rams because I picked them in the preseason on the Jack Vita show NFL preview back in August. So I'm going to ride well done. R- ride with that prediction. Uh, too many great impact players on the Rams. You got a great court. You have a who I think is a great quarterback, a great receiver. You got a great uh, corner and you got a great edge rusher. And I, I think those are some of the most obviously those are four of the five or six most important positions uh, on the field. And I think that it's going to be great. I think Matthew Stafford's going to take home a ring. And people are starting to, just this season alone, even if he doesn't win this game, a lot of people are starting to rethink their opinion of Matthew Stafford, who I believe is one of the underrated quarterbacks in this league who hasn't gotten enough love in his career. Um, and he was he was playing on one of the worst franchises in pro sports. So now he's on a competent franchise. I think he's going to win a ring, but... It, like you said, I think it's going to be close. I'm also going to go with uh, a three-point game. I'll go 30 to 27 Rams. Oh, I like it. So Yeah, because I think there's going to be times where like, we're going to see touchdowns, but there's also going to be times where, where the defenses step up. And the Bengals' defense has done a pretty incredible job. Like You got to give credit where credit's due over there, especially in that AFC Championship game. Like They came out with an incredible game plan in that second half. Like you had Patrick Mahomes go from a 98 plus QBR to just over one QBR <laughs> in the second half. So it's it's going to be a really fun game. Can't wait to see what Joe Burrow's swag is going to be like as he rolls <laughs> into the stadium. But what a fun young guy that has really understood how to win games, how to own his brand. And how to be loved. And that's even what Matt Orzak was saying on our our podcast. He's like, dude, we talk about him in the locker room all the time. We got a lot of respect and love for the guy. It's it's fun. It, it's cool. And that's that's a reason why there's so much buzz behind this Super Bowl. You have Tom Brady that just retired. And then it's like, who's going to be the new, new guy? I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be the guy. He looked like the guy in the first half. Josh Allen uh, looks great. Matthew Stafford wants to start solidifying himself. Joe Burrow uh, looks incredible. There's a lot of really fun young young players right now, and it's and it's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, I was subbing seventh grade last week. I had a seventh grade boys homeroom. I think I sent this to you. Did I send you their top five quarterback rankings that they came oh, up Oh man, with? I wanted to, I wanted to throw up. <laughs> oh, you didn't like it. No, they they like I'm pretty sure from what you sent me, I was like, what? <laughs> it was Rogers one, Mahomes two, Josh Allen three, Burrow four, Stafford five. Oh, I feel like was Maybe that you before? got some other rankings. Was that uh I feel like I got something else. I feel like I might have been looking at um someone must that someone that else must have texted you their rankings. That was <laughs> uh, those were so I, I had these seventh grade boys that I was like, let's we got 10, 15 minutes here in homeroom. They want to run all over the room and I need to keep them under control. So I was like, all right, give me your top five uh quarterbacks in the NFL. And that's the list they came up with. I thought they did a really good job. I really liked that list a lot. Dang, because I uh, was that before Tom Brady retired. I think no. that was that's maybe that's that's no, maybe it what after. it was. I was like, where's where's Tom Brady? <laughs> you just forgot that he was done. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John. Couple minutes here. Uh, I know you got to get out of here real quick. So, uh, last thing I want to mention here: you put out a really great Instagram post the other day about how important it is to read the Bible. And I'd love to give you a chance to expand on that and share that with the listeners, what you've gained from reading the Bible, what what uh, what caused you to put that on your heart to share um, a couple days ago on Instagram? Well, I think right now pe- uh, people really put their hope, value, and faith in things that aren't eternal. And I know for me, it's like I, I work in the political realm quite a bit, like every single day of my life. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Like no politician, no political party, no pastor, no friend or family member is ever going to save you. Like there's definitely people you want to surround yourself and have good accountability partners. But there's so many times people are looking for so much hope right now. And it's been a really tough time for a lot of people. Like this pandemic is, is done quite a bit to people's mental and spiritual health. And when churches are closed, people look for community somewhere and they look for answers somewhere. And unfortunately, they're looking for those answers in the wrong places. So I, I really felt like God put on my heart. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go outside at my condo. I'm going to just go right behind the palm tree in, in the, the front yard area. I'm going to toss up my Bible. And Humble brag, and- by the way. Humble brag. I've, I live here in Chicago and it's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very nice this time of the year out here in, <laughs> out here in Phoenix. But uh, God put on my heart like, hey, I want to encourage people with this. Like, this is where you need to go. You want to know how to have a fulfilling uh, relationship, whether it's romantic or platonic go to the Bible. You want to know how to handle your finances more? Go to the Bible. You want to know where to find true fulfillment, value, and hope? Go to the Bible. And there's times where I fall short a lot too. I don't get into the word as much as I should. And, you know, I I might read a, a verse or two and I should get into a chapter or two, or I didn't really pray about something like I should have or given something to God. But I hope that I'm always encouraging people because ultimately we are, we are not of this world. We just live in the world. And a lot of times too, I, I think for me, it's like, why do I, why do I feel empty or why do I feel like I'm losing this sense of direction? And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, you have God kind of like 
what up, dude? Like, when's the <laughs> last time you got into the word? It, it reminds me of one of my favorite little comic strips I ever saw. There's this guy, he's like looking up to heaven and he's saying, you know, God, like, show me a sign. Like, and then the next one, it's like, God, like, I, I desperately want to hear from you. I, I want to, I want to talk with you. And then the next slide is literally it's God reaching out of the clouds and it's the Bible. Like that's, that's God's word. That's, that's him. Like that is God, God in the flesh in those words. And I hope that people uh, continue to look to the Bible and, and look for their hope and value in, in him. Cause, cause that, that's what it's about. Um, and unfortunately I think people are looking for, uh, hope, value, fulfillment, and, and all those all those things in the world. And the world is going to let you down. I've, I'm going to continue to let people down. It's my human nature. It's sin. So I hope people go to something that's, that's the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and always, because that's God's word. That's who Jesus is. Yeah, I think it's funny you mentioned that. Like so often people are like, I want God to show me something. I want him to give me a sign, but they refuse to read the very words that he's already written to them. And I want to share something. So I was out in Phoenix a couple weeks ago. And for those who don't know, I won't get into it, but I'm at a time in my life right now where I'm evaluating some options. I could be making a big move sometime soon. And I don't exactly know what God's plan is for me or where he's taking me. But I really want to share this verse because it really spoke to me. I was similar to you soaking up that sun in Phoenix, just sitting in the backyard, just really great for quiet times, just sitting in the sun like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's John 7, 17 and 18. If anyone is willing to do God's will, he will know about the teaching, whether it is whether it is of God or I'm speaking from myself. The one who speaks from himself seeks his own glory but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. Boom. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it's like, there's so many times where like, we're all selfish. We all really get caught up in what we're doing in our career. And we, we desperately want, um, you know, God to like tell us something incredible and we want God to like get us out of tough times. I think, um, I know I got to roll in, in a yeah. few minutes, but, but a couple, a couple more things is, yeah, I really, You're I highly to stay as long as you want, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I highly suggest people checking out the 40 day prayer challenge. It's called draw the circle by Mark Batterson. And everybody should write that down, go on Amazon, buy it. And one of the biggest things I learned was how to pray, you know, how to speak to God, because I feel like everyone communicates different. And there's times where I'm going to go to God and I'm going to be like, you know, what's up, man? Like, how are you doing? There's still going to be like reverence to it, but I'm like, I'm struggling right now. Or thank you so much. Or like, I appreciate the grace or open up my eyes, ears and hearts to what you want me to do today. And one of the biggest things I learned was so often we pray, get out prayers. Like, God, I want to know what I want to do in my career or I want to understand what's going on in this relationship, or I am so just distraught about what's happening in the, in the world. So like take this out. Um, but what needs to happen is pray, get through prayers. Like, God, I trust that you're going to be with me. You're going to carry me when you need to carry me. You're going to push me to walk in, in the right direction on the straight and narrow. 
And, and that is so unbelievably impactful um, to me. And I think a lot of people just encourage people like pray like every single day, there's an invitation to um, really live fully into what God has for you every day. And we can either accept that invitation or, or deny it. And there's plenty of times where I've denied it in my life. And then another thing too, last piece of encouragement is people need to stop asking why there's way too many times we ask God, like, why are you doing this to me? Like, why is this happening? Why is everything taking so long? Why is the sports world, you know, in the turmoil it is? Why is the world in the turmoil it is? Why are people finding faith, hope, and value in things that aren't of you? And start asking why. It's stop, stop asking why and start asking how. It's like, God, how are you going to use me? How are you going to use this time to further your kingdom? And we're not called to be comfortable. I know a lot of Christians out there, they, they desperately want to be comfortable, but there is no part of the Bible that tells you you're going to have a comfortable life. You got to be comfortable being uncomfortable and thank God for the persecution. Thank God for, for the flaming arrows that the enemy tries shooting at us. Um, but it's going to be all, all worth it in the end. And I hope people find encouragement uh, in that because, you know, God, God is good no matter, no matter what's going on in America or the world and um, hoping people can find find faith and, and value in that. Amen, brother. Uh, we're going to have to have you back sometime to go even deeper on this. I hate cutting this short, but uh, I know you got to run. So before before we say goodbye for now, John, I'd love for you to plug all the stuff you're working on, your social media, and how people can follow along uh, and pay attention to the great stuff you're putting out there. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I've You've been great, man. I think everybody should continue to follow your show first and <laughs> foremost. It's I love conversations like this. You love sports. You love the Lord. And what a great combination. People can follow me at Johnny Root underscore. That's on Twitter, Instagram. I'm also on Getter as well. That's J-O-N-N-Y-R-O-O-T underscore. And then Breakaway 2, we have an awesome show we built here. I think Clay Travis did a great job with Outkick the Coverage. And then there's kind of been a void where people are looking for um, conversations that have maybe a little bit of conservative perspective. I don't like that politics are in sports, but they're already there. So if they're there and you, you can't just let ESPN and other mainstream media just rule the narrative. And there's also aspects of like faith that needs to be talked about that some mainstream sports media that um they don't do so at tpusa breakaway we we're on instagram we're also on apple and, and spotify youtube and rumble um but thank god for for your show and then another person like jason romano i know he's at in la right now sports spectrum i love that he shares a lot of um great faith conversations and and yeah and you uh you put me in contact with him i'm gonna talk on the phone with him in a few weeks so yeah yeah, it's amazing, man. Dude, I, I definitely got to run. I'm sorry, yep. though. I really, really You're appreciate good. you have you having me on. Uh, let's, let's definitely do this again. Absolutely. Yeah, take off. I'll wrap this up myself. You're good, man. Thank you, John. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. God bless. God bless. All right. So that does it for my conversation with John Root. Uh, he had to run to a meeting, but we're glad we were able to fit him in. And on short notice, too, because I was expecting... I wasn't expecting, but I was hoping that we'd get this NFL player on. It did work out today, but I'm sure we'll have him on at some point. We got some great guests coming up. There's some people from 
survivor and the bachelor and and that world some good guests that i've been in contact with some people i've been wanting to get on um and i'm sure we'll be having some great conversations with them over the next few months um for i will say you guys might have noticed it's been maybe a little lighter in terms of the amount of podcasts i've been doing lately i am working on uh, figuring out some, like I mentioned, I'm trying to figure out what the next stage of life is that God has for me. And it's 100% going to include my website and my podcast and my show and everything we're doing here. That's not going to change. However, I am currently uh, looking around and seeing what else is out there in terms of opportunities for me to work in sports journalism right now. So I've been using LinkedIn. I've been putting my resume and my portfolio together and uh, doing a lot of networking, meeting some great people. And I'm really excited for what 2022 has in store. Um, I don't know where God's taking me or, or if he's taking me anywhere. It could be staying here in Chicago for now. Um, could be moving across the country somewhere. Truthfully, I don't know. But I've been putting all of my hope in God, and I've just been taking care of the things that I can take care of in terms of doing my best, putting my best foot forward, and then allowing God to control the things that are outside of my control, do the things that are outside of my hands, and then not worrying about the things I can't control, not being anxious, enjoying life and enjoying and being excited because it's an exciting time. So thankful for all of that. But as a result, um, there have, I mean, I was gone for a few weeks, so there weren't, there weren't any episodes for a few weeks. I'm going to be gone again, uh, at the end of this month for a few weeks, but we'll be ramping up right around then because the NCAA tournament will be starting. And we're also going to be getting, hopefully a major league baseball season starting around then. So there will be content. It's just, probably going to be at least one episode a week uh, for the last, I don't know, from like basically August through the end of the year, we were working at warp speed to a week, it seemed. And that's probably not going to be the case, although there may be some outlier weeks. There could be some weeks where I have a good amount of time. And then it, part of it also depends on if I get interesting guests, I record it when the interesting guests are available. Um, and that's one thing I want to remain committed to is having um, thought-provoking, interesting conversations with interesting people um, such as John today. And like I said, we're going to have a lot more good ones coming up. So you guys are all going to want to be subscribed to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, you name it, subscribe. We'd love to have you join us for the ride. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jack Vita Show, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show, YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. Um, and we'll be back next week. I'll be talking with Haley Jordan from Sports Illustrated, and we'll be recapping the Super Bowl, talking all things commercials, halftime show, entertainment, and the game itself. Should be a lot of fun. So make sure you guys are subscribed. And until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dance of the lobsters.